also you're not watching that you have been watching yourself and you have been telling yourself something about all of this mm. and that you are trying to to survive mm. it doesn't matter how how are you trying if it's helping or not but you're trying so we tend to forget that so when so you are, are you saying that perception matters total and you're saying that as a therapist you are able to help them have a more effective and productive perception of themselves exactly but you're exactly. not trying to alter beliefs exactly you don't try to alter alter beliefs you just want to to make clear to themselves that there are different dimensions of yourself and in an addiction there's a, a, a part of you that stays healthy This podcast is made possible by Fighter Club. If you're looking for a way to become a more active part of this movement, consider joining Fighter Club today. For as little as 10 bucks a month, you can create a real impact by supporting our efforts to educate and raise awareness on the harms of porn. Plus, by joining, you can get insider info, 30% off all Fight the New Drugs conversation starting gear, access to our secret store, and an exclusive Fighter Club kit sent to you when you sign up. For a limited time, when you join Fighter Club, you'll get a free Fight the New Drug hat as a thank you. Join Fighter Club today at ftnd.org forward slash join FC. That's ftnd.org forward slash join FC. See you in the club. My name is Garrett Johnson, and you're listening to Consider Before Consuming, a podcast by Fight the New Drug. And in case you're new here, Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. We want these conversations to be educational, uplifting, and hopeful as we sit down with experts, influencers, activists, and people with personal accounts, we cover a wide variety of topics that may be triggering to some. Listener discretion is advised. Today's episode is with Isabella. She was born and raised in Guatemala, and was exposed to porn at a young age. Later in life, her and her ex-husband experienced how porn can disrupt couple intimacy and relationship harmony. Her negative experiences with porn consumption motivated her to become a therapist, to be able to help others. Today, she has more than six years of experience working toward becoming a licensed therapist in Guatemala, and has helped many patients overcome their unwanted or problematic porn consumption by providing an open and empowering environment. During this conversation, we talk about shame, why perception matters, and why setbacks don't automatically mean failure. With that being said, let's jump into the conversation. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consider Before Consuming. Isabella, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Can we start off with like the basics, Isabella, so that the audience can get to know you better? Uh, just like the foundational work of where you're from, what were your family dynamics growing up, those kinds of things? Yes, I'm from Guatemala. I grew up here. My, my parents 
were married for 40, 40 years, uh, but they didn't give us so much guiding in, in things uh, about sex, about um, what, what we wanted from life in, in that aspect. And in the teenage years, I, I had an approach with uh, pornography, uh, as usually happens, but it didn't um, make a, an effect on me in, in terms of an addiction. And uh, I, I started to talking about this problem with lots of friends in, in, in many circles. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah. So you said that you had an encounter with pornography. Is that what yes. you said? Yes. And are you saying that you personally were consuming pornography? Is that what you... I, I consumed while I was in my teenage years. Yeah. So I thought it, it was a, a matter of just, you want to see it, you see it, you don't want to see it, you stop looking at it. Mm. So I didn't understand really well uh, how can you get uh, caught by yeah consumption. Yeah. It can be it can be difficult to quit. Yeah, and I think that I think you're right that the average consumer oftentimes thinks that they can just quit whenever they want, but exactly. sometimes that's not the case. Exactly, exactly, and and it it tends to go along with a lot of other situations that you're having trouble to deal with so i started to work in in groups with young people and it was a, an interesting matter for me but it became very very interesting when i started to to give uh, couples some tools to manage the relationship communication conflict and we get to to see that it was very common, very common and very problematic in the relationship. So uh, I became, a, uh, I started to study psychology and it has been uh, a theme that people come to me for this theme also because we are uh, publicly known for having a program to quit uh, pornography. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a therapist and I don't play one online, but you are on your way to become a therapist, yes. if I'm understanding that correctly. So you're currently not a, a, a licensed therapist, but you almost are there. Can you talk to that a little bit more, how your education has gone and where you're at? Yes. I, I didn't thought I was going to become a therapist. I started to study this because I liked it. So I started to see into Gottman uh, couple therapy. And then I got into the career psychology. And after that, I, I, I again, didn't thought was going to study so much. After the career, I decided to do the master instead of just closing the career. So I'm in, in that step now. So you're currently working with couples that are experiencing the harmful effects of pornography within yeah. their relationship? I'm working on, um, mostly with individuals. Okay. Do people come specifically to you about their porn consumption 
or are they coming for other issues? And then as you're working through those, their porn consumption arises. Both things happen. It, it When the person comes with a clear uh, motive to quit, it's like a more direct. Uh, usually I, I use logotherapy and motivational interviewing and we go straight down that hill. And usually in anxiety uh, problems or mood swings problems that don't get to be a clinical situation, uh, we tend to discover that that porn has an effect on anxiety and on mood swings also. Okay. As people go through this process, as they come and see you about their unwanted porn consumption, or as they come to address other issues, and then the unwanted porn consumption arises during your sessions, have you found that giving a diagnosis helps the individual? It depends, because it can be very heavy to have a, a an addiction like diagnosis but sometimes sometimes when you get that it has all the elements of an addiction and that your a part of your brain is being uh, hijacked hijacked yeah then you kind of can be more um self-compassionate right and and you can understand that the physiological dimension of this so it depends it depends because if if the person if feels that that shame it's a big part of what's driving the consumption you you want to normalize a little bit not in a way that that you allow the symptom but in a way that you um make the person see himself herself as as so much more than than this phase they are going through and yeah. that's very important because it, the problem with addiction i think it's that it gives you character like you think that you are this person uh, who whatever you're you're telling to yourself and it's very important that, that you can see yourself as someone who's struggling uh, with uh, in a phase of of your life that as as you entered in it, you can come out of it. So I think it's it's a, a very difficult question to answer. Like, yes, it's always good or not not always it's good. I think you have to to get to know really well your patient and to see what's the use. Okay. I appreciate that answer. That makes a lot of sense. You were talking about some of the physiological changes that can happen on a neurological level when someone progresses towards compulsion or towards an addiction with porn consumption. Yeah. I'm just curious if you find any patients that are surprised that they can be addicted to pornography, or I'm wondering if you have patients who have been surprised that they do have a compulsion with porn consumption like maybe they didn't they didn't even know that that was a thing yeah does that happen totally, totally. and 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 sometimes you feel like a relief and sometimes you feel like 
So you're telling me that I have something else. And so you have to be very smooth. But what what's to be underst understood, it's that you are searching for a way of, of cooling down, let's say, that uh, trigger that, that you haven't learned how to manage other way. So mm -hmm. when you take off all this, because when there's a compulsion in, in, in this kind of consumption, there usually are another kind of com uh, compulsion. So you think uh, very poorly of yourself. Or you think I'm I'm a pervert. I'm such a bad person because I'm doing this, and maybe I'm um, I'm a, the weirdest person in the world, and I I shall never tell anyone I think about mm. things. And and you see that other way that anxiety can make you see some some fears that you have. So it, when when you explain to the person that really. Uh, this is a, a mechanism that's not working, but in a way, it's the the, the way their their brain has learned, uh, and they are not this person they think they are. They are afraid to be. That's a different kind of situation. They are afraid to be this person. And it's almost like they have to separate themselves from the behavior, and I I think what you're saying is the. Once they accept that compulsion is a thing, that it's real, it yeah. helps them separate that. Is that? Totally. Totally. And they can see how the fear of becoming this person, this pervert person, it's an, an intrusion the same way that if I don't consume now, something terrible is going to happen. That's also an intrusion. So when you see those triggers, you can answer another way. It can be helpful to the consumer to understand these things. So then they can have more positive self-regard yes. and know that they're not, it doesn't reflect on them as a person necessarily. Exactly. Exactly. And because what you need to survive in life, it's like food. Uh, to drink water and to maintain your corporal temperature temperature mm -hmm. so what happens is that you have this this uh, alarm when you haven't eaten when you haven't drink something when when you're cold when you're hot so th this part of your brain gets hijacked and tells you drug or whatever you're consuming is food is water mm. it's so essential to you so your brain is telling you have to because you're gonna die if you don't so the the craving it's it's more than just a craving it's it's a, a physiological need that your brain is telling you you have to you can tolerate the the craving when you understand that your brain is cheating you it's, yeah uh, yeah Dopamine is known as like the pleasure chemical and it tells your brain, this is a good thing. But what you're saying is that like drug abuse and porn consumption, they produce the highest amount of dopamine that can possibly be produced, which is problematic, which is why people turn again and again and again to those behaviors or to those substances. 
Exactly, exactly. Yes, because there's no, in that sense, that's good that you mention it, there's no healthy measure in, in this in this subject because it's so much higher than what your brain, it's built mm. to tolerate that it gets totally disorganized. It's all the chemical changes in your brain. So, Yes, mm. totally yeah. agree with what you're saying. Drug abuse and porn consumption are two of the activities that produce the highest amount of dopamine. So that makes dopamine. sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, so how long have you been in this process of becoming a therapist? For six years now. And going back six years ago and comparing that time to today. Mm -hmm. Have you seen, have you noticed an increase in the amount of people coming to you for porn consumption? I started it when, when I started it treating patients and I, we were in the beginning of the pandemic. So I didn't see in the, in the practice that change, but I did see it in the program we have for quitting pornography. The, the year before the pandemic and the year after the pandemic, the, it, it blew away the, the inscriptions. So I think that was a, a very breaking point for that. Okay. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that you're in Guatemala and you were talking about how maybe I'm mistaken, maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought I remember you saying something like, It, the porn consumption is a problem, like a very significant problem in Guatemala. Is that where you were? Were you? Were you it, expressing that? Yes, is it's not so open uh, because culture here it's it's very mixed. It's a it's a very silent matter, but we do have a big problem uh, that's more known that kids get kidnap uh, for, uh, for trafficking for trafficking yeah so we have a, a, a an enormous amount of kids disappearing daily it's incredible wow yeah that's heavy yes and you work with organizations that fight that we work in a network it's not our mission we 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 work with people directly we work on ed education we work on therapy counseling but uh, in the network there's people that fight against they are trying it's interesting that that you mentioned it they are trying to 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 put a a law in in congress to regulate certain uh, how you access pornography and and things like that But um, there are also organizations that, that work directly with uh, victims uh, of traffic, and it's a big network. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, going back to porn consumption and your work as a um, therapist in progress, mm -hmm. it can be challenging to address porn consumption. 
And what I mean by that is for the person that is experiencing the unwanted porn consumption or the problematic porn consumption, it could be a challenge to actually quit. You've talked to this a little bit already. I'm just curious what approaches you take to help the people that you work with experience healing and actually gain some ground towards zero consumption. Yes. There are three things that's, that are very important. I say three, so you remind me if I forget okay. them. I'm going to count them. The, the first one is that you, ha- you have to understand as a therapist that change is a, is a, a phase that's not phase one. I want to change is not phase one in a therapy. You have to first, mm, we say, contemplate mm. yourself. And, and after uh, getting a, a, a big look of how this uh, consumption is hurting you, you have to go through like three phases more to get to the changing point. Mm. So you cannot make the, the therapy just about the consumption. Mm. You have to work in other areas of the patient life. So understanding that you might have a patient who is already in that changing spot mm-hmm. and you might have another one that it's not even starting to contemplate uh, it as a problem. Maybe they tell you that they feel this way or that way, but they don't think that's that's having that effect. Mm-hmm. So you have to 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 be very um, respectful of where your patient is and take him from that point to the next one and not to the three next steps, right? Okay, yeah, you can't skip the steps. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's one. The other thing is that you have to, um, you are not in therapy to provide a, a way of seeing the world, uh, a way of thinking, but you do have the the um, let's say the the opportunity to to educate about how you work as a human. So making your patient look herself himself as a person with different dimensions, where. Uh, a trigger has a physiological um, component, but also a, a psychological one. But also there is a part of you that remains intact. That's very important because what tends to happen is that you see things only in one dimension. Or I am trapped in this circle of the trigger, the getting into consumption, getting in in the um, the shame cycle, the, the and then going cycle. back to consumption. Yeah. yeah, and you and that's all you see, and that's all you see, and you're not watching that you have been watching yourself, and you have been telling yourself something about all of this, mm. and that you are trying to to survive. Mm. It doesn't matter how, how are you trying, if it's helping or not, but you're trying. So we tend to forget that. So when so you- are you saying that perception matters? 
Totally. And you're saying that as a therapist, you are able to help them have a more effective and productive perception of themselves. Exactly. But you're not trying to alter beliefs. Exactly. You don't try to alter alter beliefs. You just want to to make clear to themselves that there are different dimensions of yourself. And in an addiction, there's a a part of you that stays healthy. Believe Mm. it or not, there's a part of you that that doesn't enter the cycle. Mm. That's watching all the process and and may feel held and may be held by the uh, physiological and uh, psychological aspect of it, Mm -hmm. but can also be waiting for a motive, can also be waiting for a reason to stop this and that part is always healthy it's always there so if i'm understanding this correct because i've learned a little bit about like the different identities that each of us have mm-hmm. it's almost like you're saying that within each of us there's like this healthy optimal version of ourselves yeah. Yeah. we can have like our addicted identity and then we can have that identity within us that's healthy and yeah. you, you as a therapist, your goal is to help that healthy identity come and be on stage. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because because sometimes sometimes it might be blocked. It might be blocked. So mm. you work in the psychological aspect and the physiological aspect, and and things happen. But but you have to be aware that that you as a therapist and 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 you as a consumer have to be aware that that this is a way you're acting this is not who you are that's very important talking about porn can be tricky that's why we created an interactive conversation guide called let's talk about porn simply select who you'd like to talk to your partner child friends parents or even a stranger and select the type of conversation you'd like to have We'll walk you through a healthy way to approach this taboo topic in a productive conversation. Let's Talk About Porn is available for free, both in English and Spanish, so you can be prepared to talk when someone asks why you're listening to a podcast about the harms of porn. Access the guide and start talking at ftnd.org forward slash blueprint. That's ftnd.org forward slash blueprint. So you asked me to remind you of the three things. Yeah. And I think you've named two, right? You you talked about the different stages and you've talked about perception and the yeah. identities. Do yeah. you have the third one still? The motive. Yes, the motive. You 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 can't make it all about uh, just focused on on avoiding triggers or in making your life around not consuming. You have to work for a motive for a reason, a meaningful reason for you to to fill this void with something that makes you want to wake up every day. So I think that's a, a huge part of, of, of this. And now that I'm saying it, I think that that's the way you don't want to give a diagnosis. If you do give it, you you want to make sure that it's uh, understood as as something I am suffering, 
but uh, not that this is all I can be. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I'm going to follow my curiosity a little bit. So I'm going to ask a question and I don't know if you'll have an answer. If you don't have an answer, that's fine. Okay. My curiosity was about the 12 step program. Yeah. Because in AA and in SAA, mm -hmm. they often use that phrase once an addict, always an addict. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of neutral in this. I've never yeah. participated in AA or SAA, but I'm just curious to know your stance on if you think that's an accurate statement. Do you think that on a physiological level that that's accurate to state that once a person is an addict, they always are an addict? I mean, I, I do know that you have effects that they are not going away ever. In, in your brain and your corporal dimension mm -hmm. but uh, in, in regards of the identity you make of this I totally disagree and this is hard because as you say and I fully feel that 12 step has done such a great job putting people together and and it's i think much of what works it's that community with yeah. a, a same goal so i think it's great it's great but i only um, have this uh, a little i'm a little bit skeptical about you being an addict forever I okay don't maybe so. it's fair to say that that identity since we talked about identities maybe that addicted identity will still exist but we just don't want that identity to take the stage. Exactly. We, we want the healthy identity to take the stage and be on stage for the remainder of our lives. Exactly. Which is what Young said. I don't know if you pronounce it Young. Yeah, Young. Okay. That there's, there's nothing more healthier than being able to, to, to see your shadow at the face. Mm. And, and, Yes, to know that that's there, and because of it, that you can, with the light, can bright brighter. Let's say. Yeah. Well, as you work with clients on their unwanted or problematic porn consumption, obviously they're going to have setbacks, right? Yeah. Setbacks are common, and they can also be very discouraging for the person. Right. And so I'm just wondering how you work with someone as they experience setbacks. And just generally speaking, can you talk to those if they're common and, and how to work through those? Yes. Thank you. Yes. It's a very good question because that's sometimes when people quit, when people stop treatment, when people make radical decisions. And coming back to, what we were talking about this uh, notion of, of sobriety as uh, uh, an upward let's say way like very not, linear yeah very linear and and not so much like an inside kind of every time more deeper uh, 
I don't know how to say it, getting into you, um, makes this false like so heavy. And I think you you really need to to make see the person you have in front of you, the the year they've spent without watching, the month, the the mm. week they've spent without consuming, mm. which is much much bigger than the day they they had a setback. So we have to work with in perception in that way, but also when when you fall if they, after. Uh, some time of not consuming it's so useful and i don't want to be like encouraging but it's so useful because you get to get to see so much about the trigger about your answer about uh, how you feel afterward that when you're numb and when you're in the highest of your consumption you can't see all of that so I think that even they are necessary in the process. I'm just sitting with that for a second. Yeah, I like that. I like that you're talking about how the setbacks are necessary and they can be beneficial if we, if we have the right perspective, if we frame them the right way, and if we get curious about why we had the setback. Yeah, totally. And and, and just the fact that the the person is so sad about the setback and you can you can make uh, people see uh, the, the person see you didn't feel this when 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 you were in it so so hardly mm. you're you actually feel feeling it. at least mm -hmm. now you're feeling yeah i like that talking about setbacks i think that a setback is evidence that you do need to do more work mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. there's more work to be done right yes totally and it usually um, takes some time, but when you teach your patient to recognize when that uh, part of your brain isn't leading, it, it's it's very useful. And that's where, where mindfulness come in as such a good tool because mm. when you're in, in this uh, not leading part of when your your brain is not leading with the it's first. almost like my instead of mindful it's mindless right when mindless. you're in a mindless state exactly. yeah exactly so when when you teach how does that feels and how does mindfulness feel the person can can do it i i like to do it with a hand because if this is your limbic system and uh, the one that gets triggered uh, you want your your uh, how do you say it? Could you repeat is, it? Pre is it the prefrontal cortex? The prefrontal cortex. You want it to to hold it to okay to embrace it to connect. So mm. that that you do with breathing with uh, mindfulness, but you have to first notice that it's not connected now mm. because every person that knows well the cycle can talk about that automatic like almost automatic way of getting into I, I saw the trigger i was very very conscious about it but then you get into a automatic like it's an automatic response instead yeah. of just sitting with the emotion and becoming mindful exactly oh i like that 
Well, we've talked about some of the work you do with individuals that struggle with porn consumption. And I'm also curious if you work with individuals like their partners. Mm -hmm. I haven't worked with partners. I've been a partner. So uh, I, I, uh, I'm very interested in, in, in group therapy for partners. It's a project. It's not uh, on motion yet. But uh, what I can tell you, it's about my uh, own healing process in, in, in that sense. And what happens is when you, again, with a label of addiction, get yourself around the addiction, you can also uh, start to make a void in your life and you stop chasing meaningful things, uh, not because you're, uh, uh, how do you say it? We say codependiente or codependent. Oh, codependent, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not that you're a sick person that needs to carry others or something like that. No, it's you really love your, your, your loved one and you really want to not see them struggling and, and you want to connect in a deeper level and you want to, to have a, a rich and full life. But yeah. you can, in that intent, actually not uh, notice when your life start, starts to get empty. So right. self, self, um, self, um, take, taking care of yourself. Like self-care. Self-care, thank you. It's a huge part of, of loving your loved one that's struggling. Mm. Yes. So taking care of yourself is part of that process. Exactly. And you said that you experienced that type of betrayal, uh, meaning that your partner, I don't know if it's your current partner or a former partner. It, I, I had a, um, a failed marriage. Okay. And yeah. And it, it couldn't be safe, but I stayed in the field because I, I, I think there are a lot of people that, that could get use of, of what I've learned. Oh, okay. So yeah. your experience, the, you experienced some of the negative effects of pornography in your relationship with your former spouse. Yeah. And now you're kind of working towards helping others avoid those pitfalls. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's yes. so cool. That's so cool. Well, can you speak to when you first learned of your partner's, your former partner's porn consumption and how that made you feel? Yes. And, and this is very important because often therapists can see the partner just like a setback for the the person that's trying to get out but you have to understand that person is going through trauma because when when you're trauma is not an, an event but the way you process right things, right but it it usually is because when when you have uh, built your relationship over the idea of uh, a sexual intimacy that's exclusive right this has all all of the the elements of a betrayal right 
even more because if if it could be another woman, for example, another another man, at least it's another woman, at least it's another man who they can touch and who with they have a connection and because maybe you and I uh, have a, a connection problem, anything. But it's with no one and with a lot of women uh, at the same time. Mm. So when you can't define the object of the betrayal, it's more heavy even. That's so, how you that's how you perceived it in your personal yeah, experience. I, I perceived that perceived it that way and I um, I was in, in a lot of groups uh, group supports um, and it was a common experience because you can't um, you can't wrap your head around about ending a relationship because of something that you think it's not that big thing mm. yeah. versus a betrayal you know uh, an affair so right. it's difficult yeah what emotions did you feel as you first learned about it uh, you've you've mentioned the word betrayal several times as you experienced that betrayal did you also experience things like anger or rejection or loneliness or shame yes, yes totally i think you you instantly one to look at yourself and see why why am I not that desirable? It's just right. that you get you get it all twisted because you think he prefers or she prefers this to me. Mm. That's how you can get to signify it. Yeah, and it's interesting because pornography does perpetuate false expectations. It, one study that comes to mind it's a national poll here in the United States. And according to this national poll, six out of every seven women reported that they believed that pornography changed men's expectations of how women should look. Yeah. Totally. And, and it doesn't, it's not just physical looks that are changed mm -hmm. or that are perpetuated as false expectations, but also just like generally speaking women mm -hmm. in pornography are generally generally portrayed as like always in the mood exactly that they are Easily you know they're satisfied. they're up for sex anytime anywhere with anyone yeah and so i think that yeah those false expectations can be ingrained into an individual's mm -hmm. brain mm -hmm. and it can be very challenging like you just can't compete with those false expectations because they're not real exactly and 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 you, as a husband or as a wife, you can start to question yourself. Why, if this person in porn looks always happy, always in the mood, always, why is my wife, is my husband so um, unsatisfied? There's something very wrong with me. Uh, you do not tolerate well feelings. And you tend to go to porn to, to numb feelings. That's a feeling you want to numb, that you're not enough to make your wife, your husband happy all the time and in, uh, wanting to have sex all the time and wanting to uh, be pleased all the time. So I think it, it works in a very deep ways in, in, in our mind. Thanks for sharing some of those personal things that you've had to experience. We really appreciate that. As you worked through them, so you experienced the betrayal and those other negative emotions that we talked about, 
what else did you do to experience healing in your own personal journey? Yeah, the the first thing I think was to to, to be clear that when you want to walk with someone, when you want to share your life with some someone, you can't force anyone. Mm. I mean, there's a there's a part like like we were saying uh, an an identity that's choosing this. There are other identities in ourselves that that might be in, uh, reinforcing this this choice you make. Mm-hmm. But if by some reason the person is not choosing you in 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 a way, I mean, I don't want to be uh, misunderstood. It doesn't mean that he's not or she's not choosing you just because he is in the cycle, but wanting to get better and wanting to uh, find meaning and find uh, sources of strength to get out, it's a way of choosing you. So if the person is not choosing uh, the relationship with you, you have to understand that in a way, it's not about you. In a way, it's it not doesn't reflect you. on who you are. Exactly. Exactly, and and you, you maybe do have to to heal much of 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 the rejection you feel, but you have to remember that you. I don't like uh, playing a victim in any kind of situation because you, if you choose this relationship where maybe connection, intimacy, was not at the center of your bonding then you must have had a reason also. Mm. So, because that's, I, I feel in my experience, that's the, the most important thing that it, uh, uh, that pornography does to the relationship, like the incapacity for real intimacy. intimacy. Mm-hmm. So in a way, we can't think that this incapacity was just in the other person. Mm. So you're talking about, in your experience, you had to accept the role that you played to allow this to happen. Exactly. Like what role you started to question, what role did I play in this process? How come I hadn't set up boundaries or had more conversations about it? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And not only about it, but about ourselves, because Mm. often you, you find that the, the level of connection is very low when, uh, Sexual life has become very like automatic, you no? Know? Like, mm. and and it tends to happen when some of the two of you are consuming. So, or or the two of you. So, mm. it's very important to to notice that that there was a lack of intimacy, maybe even before the consumption. Yeah. And when you say lack of intimacy before the connect, before the consumption, it's not just a lack of sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. It, it can be that as well, but yeah. it can also be um, just when we say intimacy, we're talking about all levels of intimacy, intellectual exactly. intimacy, emotional intimacy. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think if you might uh, let me go just a little bit off the, the of course, rails. of course, culture today has such a big impact in that because we're not used to intimacy. Mm. We're used to to a very light connection, and in, 
intimacy is not about like opening up everything from the very first moment, but it's about letting uh, the person in through, through your uh, psyche, but also through what's behind it. So that, mm. that healthy part of you, yeah. which desires, which dreams, which uh, suffers and, and has motives to, 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 to get up again. And, and we, yeah. we don't tend to connect to that level. Yeah. When I think of intimacy, I think of genuineness, acceptance, mm. empathy, focus. Yeah. And when we don't have those, I think sometimes we turn to things like pornography to fill yeah. the role of that. Well, I really like that you talked to your personal account. That's really powerful. And I think that's really cool that that's one of the drivers behind you continuing your education to become a therapist. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I've seen it goes so broad, you say, mm -hmm. so, because it, it's so connected with so much more themes. Mm. We were speaking with someone that sex is, is so much more uh, than, than just the uh, physical act. Physical act. It's so much more. It's, it's like food in that way, because mm. food, it, it's not just about getting fed. Mm. It's 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 a cultural thing. It's a a moment it's a connection thing. It's a connection mm. thing. It's a it's it goes even to to beliefs to to what you believe about intimacy, about friendship, about sharing a table. So it's so much more in 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 a every every aspect of the human. It's so much more than just uh, the physiological part of it. But uh, in sex, it's so, so big because it talks about who you are in, in your most um, uh, true self in a way that, that you can look out, like, like, that you can come out of yourself and, and meet the other one. Yeah. So even physiological, physiologically, we are built to not to see our body bodies and ourselves but to look uh, to the front right mm. out out of myself so i think sex is is a, is a huge thing of who we are mm. yeah as human beings yeah yeah we're all here because of sex too exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah well are you proud of where you're at today i'm very proud Good. really i'm very proud i, I I never thought that such a painful road would take me to such a joyful place. Mm. Are you familiar with the term post-traumatic growth? Yes. Yeah. So it seems like you've experienced some post-traumatic growth. I think so. That's good. Good for you. Well, I want to leave you with the opportunity to have the last word during this conversation um, as we come to the end. If there's anything that you want to speak to that we haven't talked about or anything you want to re-emphasize, mm -hmm. now is the time for that, if you have any last thoughts. Thank you. So maybe a word who, who's suffering and, and, and doesn't see a, a way out, it's, it's very important. I, I know that's much of what you do, but, but to know that you're not alone in, in a sense that 
everyone is searching searching for more intimacy everyone even though they are not finding it sometimes everyone is is lacking some degree of connection and the the fact that you're struggling with this and not with other things doesn't say much about you but about luck sometimes about what you were exposed to about what what the life has given you right it's like all of us are unique individuals with unique biology unique experiences and sometimes that biology and sometimes those experiences are just we can't oftentimes we are just given what we're given exactly but but they work even though we can't choose that they work as a um how do you call when you jump to a pool uh, like a diving board yeah it it works like a diving oh yeah okay all of those circumstances in your life that you hadn't choose uh, or you couldn't choose they can be that that uh, diving board diving board because or that or that springboard or i think that that, yeah the term might be springboard yeah, because what you can choose, what it is in your hands, is what you're doing with it. Mm. What you're doing with it, not getting rid of it. You won't get rid of of what has been in your past, mm. but what you're doing with it, what mm. where you want to take it to. You're not over. You're here. You're alive, and why? While you're alive, there's time and there's hope. So don't lose hope. That that would be. Thanks, Isabella. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You're great. Thanks to you. I'm really happy. I'm really happy that we could do this. Yeah, us too. I'm sorry for the English. I'm practicing. Don't ever apologize because your English is really good. And I, I we, we love your accent. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. So don't ever apologize for that. You did great. Thank you. We're a global movement of over 6 million fighters worldwide. We're continually growing, and it is because of our fighters that our resources have been able to educate and raise awareness on this issue across the globe. Included in our globalization efforts are our ongoing translation projects, which involve professionally translating select materials and resources into other languages. See what translated resources we have, including our documentary, Brain Hard World in Spanish, our conversation guide, Let's talk about porn and more. Visit ftnd.org forward slash translations. That's ftnd.org forward slash translations. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Consider Before Consuming. Consider Before Consuming is brought to you by Fight the New Drug. Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. If you'd like to learn more about today's guest and the conversation we had, you can check out the links included with this episode. If you found Consider Before Consuming beneficial, consider subscribing and leaving a review. 
Again, big thanks to you for listening to this conversation. As you go about your day, we invite you to increase your self-awareness, look both ways, check your blind spots, and consider before consuming.